last season on The Last Refuge. My children, long have I looked forward to this day, to the day that you would all be together and would begin our great work. I am a servant of the great Denier, lord of all glyphs. The first scribe has chosen me to assist him in a great work, his greatest ever. The glorious Denier has decided that his time in Toril draws to a close, that he will seed a new world, grow a new civilization, and establish his kingdom in glory. It is for this purpose that all of you are here, indeed, that you were born. Briathos, Bizdira, and Kit, you are my daughters, sisters, born to this destiny. Finally! Told ya. It only took 24 episodes. (laughs) Knowledge bomb dropped. (laughs) Flick, though you are not of my blood, you are of my soul. When you turned to the magnificent Denier, he saw your heart and knew that you were to replace... to complete this company. Now you are all met. The Lord of all images has selected a world for his new domain, but it is not ready to receive his glory. This is your task, to prepare the way of the awesome Denier in this uncultivated land. Flick, you have been taught a ritual of consecration and binding. This ritual must be performed in one of five locations that we have identified as centers of power in this new world, temples of some long-dead god. Flick, you must consecrate the temple. My daughters, you will keep watch and protect Flick while he works. Once the ritual is complete, the illustrious Demir will have his first anchor point in the new world, a connection to the land that will allow him to begin his work in earnest. You will all then find and travel to the other power loci, consecrating each of them in turn. My children, once this great work is done, you will all be revered as the heroes who brought civilization, art, and knowledge to a new world. You shall never be forgotten. With their memories restored and their quest clear before them, Bizdira, Briathos, Flick, and Kit were filled with new purpose and a direction that they hadn't felt since arriving in the last refuge. But that memory of their father, Gavrail, wasn't all the information they were going to receive that day. Flick used the power of the Shimmer Scale to cast Prophecy, a powerful ninth-level divination spell, and was granted two visions. And the first thing that you see is it's sort of disorienting and it's almost like uh, you're seeing, well, we would know it as like like animation, like watercolor paintings that have been animated, but it's very strange to you. It just looks like not quite real. You're seeing images, you can identify them, they're moving, but it just, there's something about it that is strange. And what you see, uh, you're, you're in a very tall tree. And in the branches of this tree is a large bird's nest. And in this large bird's nest are four bird cages, each containing a baby bird. And these baby birds are just old enough to be, <laughs> are just old enough to be able to fly, but they can't learn to fly because they're caged. And try though they might, they can't get out of the cages, they can't get away. One by one though, the cages the door of the cages open, and then the cage disappears, and the birds are able to leap off of the branch, out of the nest and off of the branch, and fly. One by one, each of the cages does this. 
and once they've all been freed, you feel a sense of, of power and liberation, but very quickly, the four little birds catch the attention of something terrible. You feel fear and horror, and then nothing as the birds are swallowed whole by something you cannot see. Delightful. This time everything is very clear, very realistic. It's not paintings, but as if you are standing there. And in fact, you can sort of tell that for the moment at least, you are seeing through something's eyes. Okay. And this something is looking upon three tieflings. Two female and one male. You immediately recognize them as your siblings. Yep, I got it. (laughs) And they stand before a stone building that seems familiar, but also different. Two of them hold an item reverently in their hands, one of which seems similar in shape and design to the shimmer scale, though a, a different color, and it drips with blood. All three turn and stare right at you and you feel a sort of jerking motion and you are pulled back out of this being that you were seeing through the eyes of. And as you are pulled back out of this creature, the creature steps forward and another figure is there. Another female holding a third item, also similar in shape to the shimmer scale. And this female has a cruel and evil grin on her face. And you realize with a start that this female is not a tiefling. She is an Azamar. So much to consider. Our adventurers decided, however, that the most important thing they'd learned was that another group was also collecting temple keys and were far ahead in the game. So they decided to head out. There was quite a bit of disagreement about whether or not the party should be allowed to take the Shimmer Scale with them and away from the Cobalt tribe, but in the end, they decided they could not leave without it. The party didn't make it very far, however, before running across their old friend Zagara, who, unsurprisingly, tried to kill them. Once again, the party bested the Moss Lurker, and he bargained for his life with information. Zagara informed the party of an orc army he had seen that was marching on Cobalt territory. You all followed Zagara for a ways and have come upon an army on march. They're hard to miss. They're not quiet. The only thing that you have seen is that there's a lot of them. They're traipsing through the forest. It seems that they're sort of cutting down trees and clearing a path for themselves through the forest, sort of leaving a scar of destruction in their wake throughout the forest. Bastards. The party raced back to the tunnels and began to organize a defense against the orcs. Before long, the army arrived and a siege began. After much deliberation and planning, our adventurers eventually decided that their best chance of saving the kobolds was to challenge the orc leader in combat. If they could defeat her, perhaps the rest of the army would be forced to retreat. Just as combat was about to begin, an orc shaman approached the battlefield bearing a ceremonial shield for the leader that looked suspiciously similar to the shimmer scale. The battle was fierce. The four adventurers against the orc leader and her two assassin bodyguards. Dire wounds were taken on both sides. Eventually, however, Bizdira began to turn the tide. Bizdira stands up, surveys the field, sees two of her friends down, and this horrible orc woman who has been the bane of their existence for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
And with a yell, Bizdira throws out one of her radiant sunbolts, striking the woman clear in the chest. And at first, the orc doesn't notice anything that's happened. And then she looks down and sees a smoldering hole where her heart used to be. And she collapses to the ground, dead. About fucking time. All right. Unfortunately, ending the orc threat wasn't as simple as the party had hoped. Now that the leader was dead, they still had her two bodyguards and the shaman to contend with. The shaman seemed singularly focused on reacquiring the leader's shield, and our adventurers were able to use that to bargain. The shaman ordered the army to retreat in exchange for the shield. Fortunately, none of the party is lawful good, and they had a bit of trickery up their sleeves. Kit cast heat metal and caused the shield to burn the shaman when she picked it up, prompting a surprising reaction. Okay, so she picks it up, and you can see her startle at the temperature, but she grips on and just tries to hold it as hard as she can, and you can see that it is causing her pain, if not actual damage, Mm -hmm. to the point where, like, you can see little steam coming up from her hands where she's gripping this shield. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is gritting her teeth and holding on to it. When I see that she keeps holding on, I'm gonna cause some damage. She screams, she drops it, and when she does, she lets out a shriek of just utter anguish and horror. And she drops to her knees, she reaches under her robe, pulls out a small ceremonial-looking dagger, and with screams in orcish to the sky, she eviscerates (gasps) herself. Well then, with the last of the orc threat dealt with, the party looked homeward to the tunnels. There was work to be done, rebuilding the damaged tunnels and homes, but more importantly, honoring the kobolds who had died during the siege and the fighting, for the tribe had not escaped without losses. Tess, one of Dranks' companions on the council, and Meepo, member of the Thoughtful Three, had fallen, as had a number of other kobolds. The party helped to plan their memorial. So the ceremony begins and all of the all of the fallen kobolds are brought in and placed on the pyre and this part of the ceremony is very quiet. They're laid upon them, the fires are started. There are there isn't really a, a sort of kobold equivalent to sort of eulogies given. That's sort of for afterwards. So there is silence until the crackling of the fire begins, sort of the first real sounds during the ceremony. Because Flick and Kit are concentrating on their spellcasting, the rest of you, Bizdira, Bria, Hawks, Varn, Oryx, Dranks, intone the various rites, commending the fallen comrades to the dragon ancestors and their spirits on. And the kobolds begin during all of that. The rest of the tribe circles the various pyres and begins very slowly to move around and to make the sounds and as you all sort of finish up the rites, the movement gets faster and faster. Not not running, but it, it moves more quickly. The sounds get louder until Kit uses Skyrite to shape the smoke into the shape of a dragon. Flick uses Thaumaturgy to enhance the fire and when you release the the two of you release your magic, the tribe sort of stops and looks up, and for a brief moment longer than it should have, because when they stop moving normally, the smoke just sort of goes back to what it was doing, but for a brief moment longer, the dragon remains. And there is silence as the smoke then dissipates, and the ceremony concludes.
With heavy hearts, the party made plans to once again leave the tunnels, now with two of the three keys in their possession. Their course was set to the southeast, to the territory of the Yuan-Ti. They prepared to leave, but it wouldn't be a Last Refuge season finale without a world-shaking event. And you haven't made it very far from the tunnels themselves when the earth shakes. And you look up, and the sky flashes to a pure blue. Not like a blue sky, but like the color of deep, crystal clear water. And there is a sort of strange rumbling coming from the east. And those of you who have access to magic feel something very strange happen to your connection to to certain aspects of magic, though specifically what it is, you're not sure. And the kobolds see this change and feel the earth shake, and they know that something large and important has happened. But what it is, we'll have to wait to find out, because that where we're going to leave it for this week and for this season, season two of The Last Refuge. And with that, season three will begin on Wednesday, June 5th. To get caught up on all of Bria, Bizdira, Flick, and Kit's antics, adventures, jokes, and battles, check out all of seasons one and two, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and directly from our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. See you all back for Season 3 of The Last Refuge. Happy gaming, y'all!